Hello, everyone. Welcome to our bonus podcast. I'm the host, Donatos Rubanas. I am joined by my colleague, Ritis Vishnauskas. Hello, Ritis. Hello. Ritis, because of the yesterday's events at ABBA League finals, I have to admit, I was very angry coming at this podcast. I already had some phone calls and I was just, you know, exploded uh, with my angriness I had uh, because of what happened. But when I saw this picture of Pablo Lasso, I got, I was like smiling all over my, my, my face. It's incredible to see him smiling as well uh, after, you know, suffering heart attack on Saturday. Yes, it's a joy to see him uh, well, uh, happy, healthy, I hope. So just uh, we have to send our greetings to Pablo Lasso and uh, wish him all the best. Honestly, the reaction from the whole European basketball community basically showed how much Pablo Lasso is appreciated. He is one of the most decorated and most respected coaches for the past decade. And you see from his former players and current players how much they respect him and other clubs in Europe reacted to the news. Other coaches in Spain reacted to the news. So it was really shocking. And um, actually, yes, today we see we feel really happy seeing him smile. But when I, I saw the news at first about the heart attack, I was really devastated because right now I'm working with the Spanish League semifinals. I saw his team playing two great solid games at home in Madrid against Basconia and all of a sudden this happens. So it's a real shock, but yeah, it was just lots of love to Pablo Lasso, such a great coach and such a, such a great human being. Yeah, I was, I was concerned not only about Lasso's health, but also about his long-term ability to coach again. Uh, it's not easy to recover after the heart attack and there were already all these talks if he will be ready for the next year uh, for the next uh, season maybe somebody is going to replace him but you know it's hard to understand what's his health at the moment uh, only watching at the picture but it feels like you know and as just Chus Mateo told in the press conference it seems like that yeah. he's 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 better when maybe we fought uh, and he he will be okay. That's he, the he's most a important thing for him and for his family and for all the loved ones. I mean, for the whole the basketball community as well. Yeah. Coaching and basketball obviously is the passion that drives him as any other coach. But right now, health is is the most important thing. And whatever happens in these playoffs, whatever happens in the finals, probably probably Real Madrid will be in the finals. It's all about Pablo Lasso being healthy and taking care of himself, and and and, and that's it. But Honestly, we could feel, like I said, how much whole Europe appreciates Pablo Lasso as a coach. All the players that didn't even play for him, probably they would love to play for him because they see the way Real Madrid's playing and how many players are there really happy playing, using their talent. So, yeah, just great news today to see him uh, recovered and, and going back home. Thank God, really, and we wish you speedy recovery, uh, Pablo. Uh, let's talk about basketball. Uh, we have some topics for today. Mainly, we will discuss the ABBA League finals, but as Jelko Bradovic and other uh, let's see, participants of that game told that it's, it's 
they were willing to talk more not about basketball related things so we will discuss it uh, as well and we will also um, we will share our reactions to some deals which were officially announced or which are going to be announced soon and we will discuss uh, uh, some uh, rumors about uh, very uh, likely or just some potential uh, transfers but let's start with the Abba League finals Crvena uh, Zvezda won the Adriatic League very tie uh, final series series best of five they won in the last decisive game uh, game five uh, but as I told you before the podcast I mean we have to talk we have to address the issue uh, and I'm happy that okay I think that it should have been addressed uh, more before Želko Bradovic uh, arrived uh, to Partizan and of course he gives more exposure uh, to the problem uh, Serbian basketball is facing right now I think it's like a disease big disease and it has to be uh, solved somehow and I uh, hope uh, quickly but I mean I just hate that for some reason I don't know if, if you know uh, the movie The Purge I guess uh, it's, it's the movie about the let's say annual holiday where people are allowed to murder each other for 12 hours. So for some reason in Serbia and some other countries, not only Serbia specifically, there are derbies in, in Greece, in Turkey. For some reason, basketball games became the zone of the purge for two hours where you can do whatever you want. You can attack players, throw things, uh, throw fireworks at them and nothing happens really actually this i mean they don't feel any consequences of of all these actions and these fines these punishments these reactions they're just irrelevant in my eyes so it's it's horrible what's happening over there well the year is 2022 and and still some people see basketball games as as some sort of a battlefield where in reality uh, i think most of us have grown to realize that basketball professional sports is just entertainment and and basketball players are competitors but at the same time they are entertainers we pay money to see them play and we're always talking about the business model the business side of things in basketball how clubs in europe should be able to earn more money explore new markets and stuff like that but this is not how you want to represent yourself in europe and and honestly i i i just don't get it why people behave like that and and there's there's passion and then there's being an idiot if you're passionate supporting your team with singing chanting you will be appreciated but if you're acting like an idiot you will be treated as such so um and we really do we really appreciate the atmosphere serbians greeks are creating but i just don't get it why you have to be violent? Why you have to act like a hooligan? Because oh, even besides all that shit which happened, it was already tensive, hostile environment. That's just amazing. Just, but you know, what the hell about just going off the limits? Throwing stuff at players, getting games interrupted. These are the sort of things I would say a cancer to any sport. Basketball in particular right now. Obviously, it also happens in football in Europe. But, you know... I don't get the mindset of these people. Why do you approach these derbies or basketball in general as some sort of a do or die situation, battlefield where there are enemies and we have to f attack the enemies. We have to hate them. I, I, I honestly don't get how you are being driven by hate mm. in sports. First and foremost, support your team, show love to your players, 
do that? Why why you need to hate somebody? I don't get it, but I mean, but keep your I, hate with yourself. It's just okay, like, but when it comes, you know, um, attacking the player by throwing things, by trying to hurt somebody, that's that's insane. It's just you know, some people are like stuck in eighties or nineties when all these wild things were normal. more than normal. But right now, you're gonna be seen as an idiot. I'm not saying about a particular individual, it's a group of people, obviously, yeah. but anybody who behaves like this, throwing stuff, uh, throwing objects to players, and that's just horrible. And but and, and the clubs, I don't know what they can do. Although I think that somebody should do something about it. Okay, if you cannot change these hooligans, um, you have to try to do something. And... It starts, I think it should start with the league itself. I just don't get it. What are the standards of ABA league uh, executives? Because, for example, uh, game two, you have uh, this um, glass bottle thrown at Partizan bench, and it was like centimeters away from the assistant coach of Partizan. Game three, just during the warm up, you have all these fireworks uh, thrown at. Zvezda players from Partizan uh, uh, fans, and it explodes like again centimeters away from them. That's already a game over for fans. Empty gym, play behind the closed doors for the rest of the series because both uh, Partizan and both Zvezda fans did something which is which is horrible and it cannot be tolerated. Why you still continue playing playing the game until in the end of the fourth quarter uh, somebody finally hits the referee and then when it's it's the time to um, for them to leave for the locker room and oh maybe it's a problem we should uh, empty part of the gym. I mean it's it's just ridiculous. I mean Abel League should do something about it and there's no room to tolerate it. So I was I was really expecting some some big punishments not just in terms of money they they gave some huge fines we don't we didn't see yet uh, what kind of fine uh Zvezda fans will get for for the last one but already both teams combined they had to pay something li- like 110,000 uh, euros uh for for the events that happened in in both home games uh let's say but still i mean you cannot allow yourself to tolerate this thing and you have to protect your players i just don't get it why the participants of the game are not protected at all and why somebody is waiting for somebody to hurt finally i mean i don't know what has to happen to have this uh, empty gym for the rest of the series well if if you're an american player for example and and you're playing in this environment when you get back home in the summer what are what, what is your message to to your people um well i played in europe there were a bunch of freaks they're living in a stone age the atmosphere is wild at least i got my money <laughs> that's how you represent european basketball just the, i mean it's impossible for me to understand how these people approach the games how they go to the game you're going to the gym with thinking about your enemies we're enemies it's a war happening it's a fucking basketball game it's entertainment and, and people want to watch basketball and that's it the funniest part is that usually fans get crazy and uh, about refs about them okay sometimes making mistakes and sometimes them thinking that refs made a mistake but at the same time they're creating such an environment where a referee he has to think about how to avoid this 
battery, uh, lighter, glass mm. of uh, so, glass bottle, rather than just to make the best decision on the court. It's like a closed circle. Put it's pressure, not going. Put pressure it's not taking you anywhere. Chanting. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Try to I don't know. Do and so they're doing that. For example, in the Euroleague, it's more or less. I mean, okay, making making a lot of noise and and sending a message to the referee that that you're exactly. frustrated with how he's dealing. It's already dealing a great with atmosphere. You're already putting a pressure on him. This is home court advantage. Throwing lighters is not a home court advantage. It's a disadvantage to anybody. So yeah, but I think it's it's enough talking about these people how they behave maybe in 10 years time we will have some improvements in I in, in Europe I don't know in some They're countries, about it, in some like countries it's not a problem in in other countries with those big derbies it is a huge problem but well in Lithuania we don't have anything as such we we just have coaches <laughs> Coaches. We have to address that as well, Fla because flopping. it went wild. <laughs> what happened between head coach Nana Chanak, uh, Giedry Zhubianas in that game three of Lithuanian League Finals was epic. It even made the ES ESPN front page, and mm. even for uh, in our own Twitter channel, uh, I think it got something around 640,000 views, that video when Chanak, he was like a train uh, going straight at, at coach uh, Zhubianas. But there were few interesting things that uh, situation probably right what was your reaction what did you like or what did you dislike the most about that well <laughs> uh, what i disliked first of all is that uh the head coach of the of the team uh, the visiting team has to go to the locker room through the bench of the home team it doesn't make any sense first of all which creates a situation where a confrontation is possible and Chanak sort of physically went through Gibenas. Gibenas didn't want to move. He just, like stood his ground and then he flopped. Honestly, um, it, it, it was funny, first of all, then the sarcastic clap from Chanak. And then we had a part owner of, of Rita's club. He took his glasses off and, and he started just yelling at Chanak. And, and it, it, it felt like he was about to go to fight, but at the same time, he was holding them himself. If, if that dude went to fight with Chanak, who's like 205, He's I believe. one of the tallest coaches in Europe, probably. He, he would get slaughtered. So it's a good thing he didn't go there one-on-one. -on -one. But, uh, you know, this stuff should not happen, first of yeah, all. Yeah. And, and the fact that it made the headlines of ESPN or whatever, it's bad advertisement. Again, it shows you Europeans as some wild people with, coaches on fire and and people being out of control behaving like mad madmen but um the reaction of the league was funny this just terrible both sides got 500 euro fines in my opinion in my opinion physical um altercation altercation yeah. from a head coach towards the other head coach is a guaranteed at least one game ban completely agree with you and, and, and I see how, um, uh, for example, the English Premier League deals with situations where the head coach is misbehaving, attacking the fourth referee or, or having some nasty uh, words to his colleague or the other head coach. You're getting fines and you're getting bans. You're, you're being sent to the stands. And Chanak should have, should have gotten a, at least a one-game ban for what he did, in my opinion, because on top of that, there were two technicals. 
so he's thrown out of the yeah. game and, and he's still doing this uh, as like a and continuation he, act yeah. and the 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 part owner mr gudalis <laughs> he should be watching the rest of the series at home yeah on sofa or at least the rest of that game particular I think game no rest of the series. Out of the you're arena. an owner do you remember what happened when the golden Steve warriors one of those part owners yeah, yeah, yeah. attacked kyle lowry yeah he was banned from the arena that's it the stuff doesn't belong there i even would consider um let's say 500 euros well 500 euros the, the funniest thing is that a uh, couple of days a couple of days later there was a press release that let Kabbalist fans you know collected this money to you know to cover the fine 50 cents 500 each. euros so 50 cents it's each. so funny i understand when <laughs> jarlis got this probably nine thousand euro fine uh, for the events that happened against servena zvezda yeah i mean okay it, in the end it was reduced but still fans almost covered full amount and nine thousand euros it's it's already some you know okay amount 500 euros and it, it's it's it stores the club, not 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 a not a person. Five hundred euros. It was for and both clubs, and, and you know, in in the NBA, if you show big balls, you get fined fifteen thousand dollars or twenty thousand dollars, even if you're. Of course, it, for some teams and for some players, it's probably the same as five hundred euros here in Europe. But at the same time, the amount of money just shows how, let's say, how big. Uh, problem or what kind of huge mistake you made what kind of a mistake it is if you have to pay 500 euros it's just funny it's silly i mean uh yeah i wouldn't punish anybody for showing big balls because that that's cool like i like that but yeah nba it's a very sterile league they 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 punish people for fifteen thousand dollars. but could you imagine ime udoka going through steve Kerr like this and then could you imagine how much money it would cost because right now what the message from the league is i can do whatever yeah. i want basically we can tolerate. it we only can tolerate costs that. 500 euros and i'm yeah. not even being banned so yeah. and it's it's so good that now we can kind of laugh about it we can make jokes about it but it was actually really very close to something very bad to happen not just because of some potential fight what if some players stood up for the coach in some let's say more aggressive way or what if Gudalis went uh, down and okay if he was about to lose that fight for sure but still there would have been a fight and what if some of the fans would do something about it and because even later in the game uh we saw let Kabbalist player the Kabbalist center uh, Gabrielus Maldunas almost jumping over the bench because uh, some fans were uh bullying his his dad probably or it was something you know in it's so, yeah. some something was in the mix i mean it was it was it was dangerous situation actually but actually i was it, it was the first time i saw nena chanak behaving so wild i mean he he has a very cool temper usually he's very calm and i don't believe he had it in him to like fight these people yeah, or yeah. it was just the emotion and and the frustration because first of all it it, it didn't happen because rita's coach did something it happened yeah, because yeah. of the refereeing and yeah. and he stood for his players stood stood for his team because there was an elbow to the face the referees did not see that then a sequence happened that kabelis went to a fast break they lost the ball then mm. rita's player gitas radzavich did the carl malone yeah. dunk milman dunk yeah while gedraitis was lying on the floor in blood in blood so 
this is disrespectful. I can, yeah. I can understand Mr. Chanak, but you cannot justify d- by him defending you know, his players and 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 you're complaining to the referees mm-hmm. and you're getting the technical. It's it's fine by yeah. me, but then what happened afterwards was was not okay. But the f- the issue and and how you can just avoid situations like this, the visiting team needs to have a separate tunnel to the locker room that's it one one team goes through there the other team goes through there and in in this small jeep arena for some reason there's only one exit so it's it's what happened also the security job is was worth to watch if you will check the replay of that video i mean nobody did anything they were spectators that one that security guy in the corner he was just standing like this and almost smiling watching he was entertained (laughs) probably he forgot that he's not a fan watching the game yeah he was really entertained but he should do his job yeah Anyways, yes, some of our colleagues called this series Small Belgrade because uh, in the following following game, uh, Latkabilis fans, uh, um, Speedy Smith was going after the game uh, to the locker room and somebody uh, spilled some beer uh, over uh, his head. There were some other stuff. Okay, that banner with Jebenas and Oscar in his hands uh, during the game, which was always uh, behind Rita's bench, was pretty funny. And it's not violent thing. It's just some hum- humor of Panevijis people. Let it be. I mean, if there's no violence, that's that's okay. So anyway. And uh, on top of that, we should say that we're witnessing some really poor quality basketball. <laughs> we're only talking about events that, that are happening. Um, that's not, why we're not, talking not about these events, because... On the basketball court, there's not much to discuss. That's what I'm saying. Uh, we're talking about all these events happening somewhere in the stands or after the referee's whistle. But the games itself, they are so poor. I mean, the, uh, the Lithuanian League Finals, as th- these are the lowest quality Lithuanian League Finals probably I've ever seen in my life. And of course, we're going to have a new champion. Žalgiris is not even there. Basically, uh, Žalgiris having a terrible team this season made the Lithuanian League interesting again mm. because that's why we have Letkabelis and Ritas in the finals and Žalgiris for the first time ever yeah. is not even since in the finals. 1993 they've, when the league was founded. They've been champions ever since 2011, 2010. 11, yeah. And they've never missed a single final series yeah. since we got the independence back in 1990. Yeah. But this, yeah, it's it's a big chance, obviously, for for Ritas, for example, to take the championship and and the FIBA money as well. Yeah, yeah. Because Letkabel is not getting any FIBA money; they're playing the Euro Cup. So that's enough about our. Let's go back a little bit to 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 Belgrade uh, to talk some basketball. Uh, So game five was probably the one which every fan will like to watch. I mean, it was the fight until the last seconds. Great fight with some great individual performances. Kevin Punter, 27 points. Nikola Kalinic making some crazy clutch uh, plays, including a three-pointer or a uh, post-up game, uh, which was followed by the um, kick-out pass and three-pointer by by Nate Walters, I think. It was a great game uh, in general, but... um, Let's talk uh, about um, what maybe Partizan was lacking of uh, to win the, uh, let's say, Adriatic League. They already failed in the Euro Cup. And uh, it's, it, that final showed that they're still not 
better team than Zvezda? What do you think, what kind of adjustments could have been made for Partizan looking at long term? I don't know, they were down 2-0 in the series and they got it to the game five and the game five was decided in the last minute, so it's not like they were really far away. They looked more far away in the middle of the season, let's say. I mean, if you're... When they lost the Serbian Cup by like 15, 20 points. If you're Zvezda, you're thinking like you're like you dodged the bullet because you were up 2-0 and should mm. have closed the series earlier, probably. Mm, I don't know about adjustments. It's all about the budget. It's all about the money you have. And if you have enough money, if the project is still ambitious, so you they can- They have money. They had great players. So sign yes. a point guard. Yeah. <laughs> Easy. As simple as that. Sign a point guard. You can win the ABBA League. It's not like you're competing in the ABBA League against Barcelona, FS, and Madrid. You're mainly competing against Vesda, also Cedevita, maybe, and Budishnost. It depends on what they have next season. And the Euro Cup is different, of course. It's in, in that one game knockout, anything can happen. But if, if they're continuing with Jelko, with the team that they have, just sign a point guard. You can win it all. That's it. It's very simple. In general, I think that Partizan did better than I thought. I mean, in Abba League uh, finals, for well, Zvezda is the better team, first of all, and that's yeah. that's the main thing. Uh, the re I mean, the thing that Partizan didn't win Abba League, it's not just about them or something. What what is wrong? It's also about Zvezda being a very solid team with continuation, with very solid players. And first of all, what I like about Zvezda is that they are a real team. For example, the fourth quarter. I mean, five or six different players made so many important plays, starting from Austin Ho uh, Holland's all-around uh, effort, uh, Nikola Kalinic with his clutch plays, Walters made some important shots. Even if you take, uh, um, for example, Davidovac, he made some very good reads. And I mean, a lot of players delivered, and that's what makes this team very strong. Okay, Kalinic is the main star, but he's like a glue guy, uh, and all the team works perfectly. Watching Partizan, I see the score of uh, Panther, Lide, Lazord. He had some mm, great games in the final, important games. Uh, Avramovic was actually pretty solid in, in the finals. But there's a, let's say, group of five players. They're lacking depth. And it probably starts with local players, with these young players, and they have to be patient uh, with them. They're still too young. They're not matured enough. And when Zvezda have basically 10 different weapons, some of these players coming off the bench, they're not scoring, but they're giving great defensive minutes, giving great stops, um, just sharing the ball. In Partizan is different. Uh, so I think that they just have to be patient, as you mentioned. I think that they should go after a uh, more solid point guard. Me, for example, I would probably give uh, Avramovic. He had some nice stretches and I can have him off the bench. He, he could give a, a, me a good spark. But then I want something I could really trust in the decisive moments because now... Watching Partizan, I always wanted Kevin Punter to have the ball in his hands, but at the same time, you cannot rely on one uh, guy every time. Although I have to admit uh, that Kevin Punter was just amazing because the reason why we had this game fire was his clutch uh, three-pointer in the end of game three. He had tough uh, beginning of the series. Uh, he was like, he scored 12 uh, points per game, but 
he was five for 15 shooting, I, I think. Uh, and in game three, uh, besides his decisive three-pointer in the last minute of the game, he scored 22 points. Game five, 27 points. And when you look at Kevin Punter, you sometimes think that he's the NBA player because there's no contested, there's no such thing as contested shot for Kevin Punter, the way he makes all these shots. Uh, you can do whatever you want. It's it's really hard to guard him. And the best thing is that before Partizan, I kind of knew and appreciated him as a great, great scorer. One of the guys in Milan, uh, he was one of the, let's say, pieces uh, in Milan. In Partizan, he came as an alpha guy, and I just thought that he will be alpha dog as a scorer. Just scoring points, not really caring um, too much about his teammates, about his team in general. But no, he was a great leader. He showed the example for the for the rest of the group. Uh, he was always calm. If somebody of these young partisan guys did some mistakes, something went wrong for them, he was always there um, discussing things, discussing plays, helping them. Uh, he led by um, by his example. And he appreciated, he embraced this uh, role of the leader. And I think that he grew up, grew up a lot as a player. And if Partizan will make an adjustment or two in the free agency, and when these players will grow up a little bit, because it was a big transition year for them as well, working with Jelko Bradovic, I think that, I mean, they're not that far away uh, from good things when it might look li like watching them failing in the Euro Cup or not winning Adriatic League and maybe later Serbian League. Yeah, you can always increase your budget by 2 million euros. That helps in Europe. Or four million. <laughs> it's Five easy. Million. Yeah, it's yeah. easy in, in Europe. Yeah, just increase the budget. You will get those titles. <laughs> Simple. So yeah, that's that's about it. Uh, let's go with some deals already that have been made. And today, uh, the second probably the second, mm, not shocking, but the second best biggest thing that, news. Biggest news. Yeah, the second biggest news that happened was Will Clyburn finally officially signing a two-year contract uh, with another Lefes. And of course, everybody is you know amazed by this move. Everybody is throwing this three-peat thing. What do you think about this move in general? That's one of the best signings they could make. I mean, they were lacking in the small forward position even in their championship years. This season, last season, playing with Krunos Simon as an additional ball handler is, is okay on offense, but defensively you might have some problems because uh, you're too small. And other options like Elijah Bryant, James Anderson being only a defensive player. Now you have a two-way star. Will Clyburn, who is considered the best or one of the best small forwards in, in the EuroLeague for the last three or four years. And also, he gives you an option to play in the fourth position, to play with different lineups, because we know uh, that Will Clyburn has a lot of size and he's very athletic. Despite the fact he had some really bad injuries, he, he's still pretty good. I mean, this season... While we saw him in the in the Euroleague, he was not very consistent, but he was still one of the key players for for Ceska. So of course it's it's a great signing. Uh, it's an obvious signing at the same time. Uh, we were talking about Clyburn in FS, how good he could be there, how he would fit the team, even before two years ago. It seemed it seemed like. 
Naturally. They're only one player away from being the perfect team. Like they have perfect guards. At at the time they still had very good centers and power forwards, but the small forward position was like their weakest link. And right now they they're just solving all the problems by signing Will Clyburn. Of course it's 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 only one piece. Uh, this rebuild will be bigger. There will be some other signings. But uh, Yeah, Antajic is, is for example expected to sign with uh, FS uh, soon. So I don't know I don't know if there's much much more to say. Will Clyburn any team would love to have him in in Europe and FS are the ones who 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 signed him. So if, good, good for them. If everybody will stay, I mean all these uh, three main guys, Misic, uh, Larkin and Clyburn, do you think that it's kind of locked that they're going to have a free pit? It's locked they're, that they're going to be in a final four. Mm. And then they're going to play one game yeah. in a semifinal and maybe one game in the final. So uh, even the best roster doesn't win you, win you the EuroLeague. Yeah. The best roster gets you to the final four. And then anything can happen. But of course, with these signings, I cannot imagine them not making it to the final four. Yeah, I, f- I think for sure that they're going to be favorites to make the final four. But, you know, at the same time, things are not as easy as it sometimes looks like. I mean, this this whole team, somebody called it Los Galacticos. I mean, they really look great if everybody will stay. But at the same time, it will be very interesting to watch how they're going to share the ball, how they're going to share these roles, because... Uh, Mitsush and Larkin was already a great duo, actually. It was it it's it felt like they kind of it worked at first of all, and it felt like they, they kind of enjoyed uh, playing with each, with each other. They understood what uh, each other uh, needs. And I think that even Mitsush in, in a few interviews he mentioned what kind of relationship, what kind of good relationship, basically business relationship he has with Shane Larkin. But at the same time, it's it's gonna be interesting to watch how it fits uh to each other, for example, because there are some, I mean, crazy stats. Uh, uh, now, I mean, the last three Final Four MVPs will play in one team. I mean, Mitic won two MVPs in a row. Uh, Clyburn was the Final Four MVP in 2019. I was kind of shocked to see that now FS, if everybody will stay, they will have three players from top six of best scorers of the EuroLeague last year. Also, uh, these three guys make uh, made top 11 in ISO plays on average last year. So for me personally, it's gonna be interesting to watch how they will, you know, uh, share these roles, how they will fit uh, Will together. Clyburn doesn't need to have the ball in his hands very often to get his numbers? Uh, I don't think anything will change in the way they, p- they play. Well, he was... It- uh, he had fifth best, uh, f- uh, fifth highest usage percentage in, well, in the early last year. Because he played in a team that didn't have a star in point guard position. Mm. Ever since Mike James left, they didn't have a star in that position. But when he played with Mike James, there were no problems. So I actually uh, wonder uh, if Ataman will make uh, Clyburn another Chris Singleton, putting him on the fourth position and just making him a spot nah. up shooter. <laughs> no, it's not going to happen. Like, but. Uh, for a player like Clyburn, it's very easy to adjust. You can get your 13 points per game in different ways, not necessarily playing in ISO. So fast breaks and the shots that you will get from Mitic and Larkin and everything. So they just needed a more athletic player who can also be a, a good defender. Because like I said, you had James Anderson just for defensive purposes. Now we have a two-way player who does everything. But 
it's interesting to see that there are rumors about Wayne Bacon also signing for an Adolfo. So if that happens, then I could see Clyburn actually playing a lot of minutes in the fourth position. Because if they add Wayne Bacon, another they ISO player... They need two player, balls, really. If they add Bacon, they need two balls. And to be fair, I think that adding Bacon in this situation is a pretty bad idea. I don't know if there's a bad idea for a team like this who are already champions. I mean, but maybe you need to invest in other positions. Is it Dwayne Bacon? Or you need hard workers? Un- unless, unless Ataman has a plan and he sees Will Clyburn actually as a modern Ataman power forward. Plan, if, yeah. he ha- if he sees Clyburn as a really modern power forward, more than a small forward, then, then you sign Bacon uh, to complement Mitzic and Larkin as another ball handler, another player player who can make decisions in ISO. Uh, you had Kruno Simon, actually, a very good pick-and-roll player who was playing as a small forward, but Kruno Simon is close to retirement, probably. Uh, Dwayne Bacon, it's an interesting player. I, I would say it's a, it's, it's a rising star in Europe. I don't know if he wants to continue in Europe. I think it's tricky because he is difficult to handle off the court. And that's the main concern I have if he comes to FS, if he won't destroy this locker room. Because him and Ataman, it would be exciting to watch what we but have. But at the moment, it's just a rumor. Yeah, of course. And from what I've heard, actually, the fir- at least from what I've heard, what some sources suggested, the main idea was that Bacon... Um, the Bacon was idea was before Clyburn's possibility to come to FS uh, appeared. So there was an idea that FS will have a smaller budget. They will raise the bar, uh, decrease the bar uh, a little bit um, because they were thinking about uh, reducing the budget. But when they had a great shot at winning the EuroLeague, when they finally defended the title, they just couldn't... Um, drop the bar uh, so low after such a championship uh, year and when they have a chance to win three titles in a row. So that's when they uh, turned to, uh, went for uh, Will Clyburn. So some sources suggest that they are still interested in Bacon, but some say that it's it's very unlikely at the moment. So we, we, we will see. Yeah. I, I just don't think that now they need Dwayne uh, Bacon unless, for example, Larkin or Misich or both of them leaves and maybe they will need some scores. Who knows? So maybe it's still an option. Ante Zizic is, is a more interesting topic probably uh, because we knew during the season that FS will be hunting uh, at least one new center. If they're keeping Brian Dunstan, then Josh Nebo probably is off the table. But Ante Zizic, again, he gives you a different option. Uh, a center who is a very good back-to-the-basket, uh, playing in the paint. Uh, he had a good season for Maccabi. He's a proven center already in Europe, in the EuroLeague. And basically, Ataman loves having three different options at center position. Like one guy, like Tibor Plies, to play the pick-and-pop actions and Serta Shanley was the guy before uh, then one really defensive center which Brian Dunstan is and on top of that if, if you can also have Zizic uh, a huge presence in the paint then I cannot imagine having a more completed center position than this with three guys three dif- different options and obviously, some sometimes your minutes might suffer if you're signing for a team that already has two great players in your position. But 
Ante Zizic probably wants to win win championships, wants to win titles, and FS is the best place to do it right now. So it could be an interesting signing again uh, to make this team less uh, predictable. Yeah, I wish Dunstan stays because I think he's a much better fit than Josh Nebo. Uh, I like the potential of uh, Josh Nebo, but at the same time, I think that he needs a teacher uh because he's very unpolished player he has great potential i mean he's an athletic freak probably only donta hall jumps higher than him in the euroleague and in the upcoming years he will be great but at the same time he was lacking a lot of basics uh, i would say or just a better um, situation uh, reading and i think that for this you have you need to have a better teacher because you know the vataman you basically play, let's say, from your talent. Uh, he's not, he, he, or he will let you to learn through your experience. But in Nibu's case, Petrushev probably didn't learn that much. Yeah, because basically he was not playing. Actually, it was very hard to adjust that team to any newcomer of that club. Yeah, um, from Musa. I mean, now you look how he was performing in ACB, and now probably he's going to Real Madrid. So I think that even Petrushev is could be a nice fit for any other Euroleague team. But yeah, I'm just happy because Brian Dunstan, he's experienced. I like the way he reads the game uh, defensively. Okay, he's not so athletic anymore, but he's he's a big body. He can jump high. He can make some smart plays, and he he's that he's that guy who can mm, put everybody together. Josh Nebo, he's just a newcomer of the Euroleague, so I think it's a much better fit in the center lineup for 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 FS. Yeah, for, for one more year because Brian Dunstan yeah, in, exactly. sec- in the second half of the season. He proved that he, he yeah. still has it in him yeah. as a defensive presence. Uh, also, he had some games where, where he was scoring a lot of the pick and rolls with Mitic. And mm. in the final four, he was actually performing. Uh, they were facing strong centers like Fal and Tavares. And, and for Tibor Plyce, it was too much to handle. And Dunstan did a decent job uh, defensively. And he's still one of the best defensive centers in, in, in Europe. So one-year extension really makes sense in, in this situation. Yeah, and to wrap it up about FS, just want to add that um, I hope that they will find a couple more hard workers, I would say, because with Zizic, with Clyburn, you know, having in the best case scenario, having both Mitsich and Larkin staying, it's a little bit maybe too much offensive oriented team. I mean, great talent, great skill, but they already they were great, probably second best offense in the Euroleague and defensively they were ninth. And neither Clyburn, neither Zizic, especially Zizic, they're not defensive oriented players. So I mean, I'm just trying to find some problems in kind of perfect team. But, you know, it's it's easy to say how great they are and things like that and how it will wor- work. But let's see. Okay, and another signing. Uh, okay, Billy Barron to Milan. It's not official yet, but Emiliano Carchia reported it. And from what I've heard, it's also at least very close to an agreement and ex- expected that Billy Barron uh, will transfer from uh, Zenit St. Petersburg uh, to Milan. What do you think about this move? An experienced shooter. Who can go wrong by signing an experienced shooter? And when so. they were missing shots so badly uh, last season. Uh, for Xavi Pasquale, he was playing a lot of uh, ISO situations, for example, even though uh, some other coaches might see him as a pure shooter, but he can act as a ball handler as well. I wouldn't say Billy Barron is like a superstar signing or anything like that, but 
he's a solid experienced player and we know that Atari Messina prefers signing experienced players from mm -hmm. all the previous signings that he made uh, bringing guys like Heinz, Melli, Delaney, Rodriguez, all the others. He's always going for experience so yeah Billy Barron should be a good signing. Good signing for their backcourt rotation. I mean, you have Kevin Pangos, Devon Hall, Billy Barron, probably they will sign somebody else, uh, some some local players. That's already very solid backcourt and it just covers all their needs. I mean, Milan, they were 15th by offensive rating last year, 13th by a three-point percentage. Yeah. And Billy Barron, okay, his percentages were, I would say, low by his standards. He was just a just a 36 uh, percent three-point shooting but mostly it's because he even had some point guard roles i mean he was a more of a ball handler than he was used to be uh, in previous years because for example two seasons ago he was uh, making threes by 44 percent and i mean if they were missing three-pointers that's the best guy to acquire he was sixth uh, in three-pointers made uh, last season so it's it just solved one of the problems milan had last year so for Messina, it's, it's, it's very important to have players that can shoot off the dribble mm -hmm. because Milan, uh, even when they were successful last year when they made a Final Four, they were really low in assist numbers because they have a lot of players shooting off the dribble. At that time, they had Delaney, Rodriguez, and Punter, basically players that create shots for themselves uh, or from the pick-and-roll situation. So Billy Barron is another guy who is very comfortable shooting off the dribble. Just a good signing that fits the system. Mario Hezonia to Real Madrid, still not official yet, but it's it's getting finalized. Uh, let's say probably we'll have to wait until the end of the season. What do you think if he solves all the offensive problems Real Madrid had? Well, not all of them. They, they, they will need to sign a point guard still, but Mario Hezonia signing for Real Madrid is sort of an answer to Barcelona signing Nikola Mirotic. You signed one of our... Hmm. former stars now we're gonna go for one of yours because Hezonia before he went to the NBA was 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 in Barca mm, one of the most uh, wanted players in Europe right now everybody expected him to leave Kazan maybe people were expecting him to leave Kazan during the season when the Russian terrorists started attacking Ukraine but for some reason he stayed I don't know why don't really love him for that mm. uh, but of course he makes Madrid a better team one of the most talented players in in, in Europe uh, with a winner's mentality with a strong character I would say the because uh, we know Real Madrid as a as a club where the culture in the locker room is very important the Spanish players the French players everybody get along and if you make something some wrong actions like Thomas Hertel did you're going to get punished. And now, Maria Hezonia steps into this team. He's spicy. He's spicy. He is it will be interesting to see how he's going to get along with, with uh, Yui, Rudy Fernandez, all these players that are playing for Madrid like seven or eight years together. So we'll see, but uh, they need reinforcements in, in, in not only point guard position. A lot of players really are getting old in, in this team. And Hezonia is, is, a, is a star. He gives you star power. I'm not saying he's, he's solving all the problems mm -hmm. for them. They, they will need a point guard, but it's a very interesting move. 
yes, for sure, offensive upgrade for the team. He boosted Unix's offense as well with him on the court. They were scoring four points more per 100 possessions. So uh, I have no doubts that he will bring what maybe Jeffrey Taylor or some other players, I know Hung uh, couldn't provide scoring from the forward, forward position, uh, let's say, being another option. Hung is their point, point guard right now, actually. And now, now is, it's, is yeah. their point guard as well. Because uh, uh, I, I can remind you that... Hung was a solid point guard for Barca. And so during these the playoffs, Real Madrid not only lost Williams Goss, he got hurt even before in the EuroLeague Final Four, but they don't have Williams Goss, they don't have Sergio Yui, they don't have Alberto Balde. They don't uh, have Pablo Lasso right now and also. Yeah. Right now they don't even have Who Pablo Lasso. Who was also Lasso. a point guard, yeah. <laughs> so Hanga is covering a lot of minutes as a point guard. Coser as the primary ball handler and, and the 17-year-old Juan Nunez is also playing. Nunez is actually great. Oh my God, he has so much potential. Uh, he, obviously, he has to improve his jump shot because the opponents don't respect his shot at all. But his passing, his abilities when he's getting the ball to his left hand are amazing, really. So much potential. I mean, Spain having all these ball handlers, creative uh, passers, I mean, it just never gets old. I mean, just in their genes, I would say. Okay, uh, so now we will go through some rumors. Uh, moves that weren't mm, confirmed. Maybe it's happening, maybe it's not. And we will try to play, let, let's say, this game in or out. So, Nikola Milutinov to Fenerbahce, in or out, from both uh, perspectives. I mean, maybe you want to see Milutinov in other team, or you think that maybe other type of center would be a better fit for Fenerbahce. Because if you sign Milutinov, that means that you're going to have him as a, your main center. And, and then Devin Booker as a backup. If he, is he still under contract? It's, it's. I think it's still not clear okay. about his future. There are some rumors that he might be. Moved. No, but I mean because Dimitri Sutudis worked with him, and he's going to Fenerbahce. And he's bringing Nikola Milutinov alongside. So uh, a very dominant center. Uh, the only problem for him during the last two years was injuries. If not injuries, we're talking about a potential uh, EuroLeague MVP because yeah. he's a he's an offensive rebound machine, scoring from the paint. He gives you double doubles. When he was in his best shape before injuries, he was breaking records in 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 the EuroLeague and playing for Ituri. So again, coach knows him very well. So I'm in, but obviously it's an expensive signing. So if Fenerbahce has some budget limitations, you need to be careful where you spend the money because all, signing Milutinov is already big. Mm -hmm. uh, he's obviously and very expensive. And it kind expensive. of shows the direction of your team because if you remember probably the previous podcast we were talking about that, oh, maybe to this will back to these years when he was using all these uh, versatile centers like Al Hans, Otello, Hunter yeah, in, yeah. in the same pair. With Milutinov, the direction is clear. Yeah. If he's healthy, he's going to dominate. But we saw some injuries that he had, and these injuries really affected him. He got back on the court after a few months, and he needed time to get back in shape. So there are some risks if 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 they're signing Milutinov. But in general, I would I would agree that it's a good signing, and it requires a 
good fit at a power forward position because somebody Greek, needs to stretch the floor. Yeah, because if you remember, Tornike Shengeler wasn't the best yeah, fit next Shengelier to Milutinov, so Milutinov they was not have the to be smarter. Akile Polonaro is there, and they will go for somebody else. Obviously, Fortman and Milutinov was actually okay. Fortman is really long, but at mm. the same time, he's not the guy who loves playing close to the basket. He's a stretch for a shooter. Yeah, there's thing about uh, players following their coaches because in some cases, if the relationship uh, was okay, it's very natural thing when player follows the head coach. And from this situation, to this former CSKA coach, Milutinov former CSKA uh, player. But in some cases, if the relationship wasn't good, I mean, some some players might be not taking the decision mm. just because of the coach. So, but there are not many see. places uh, Milutinov could go or in could, Europe could get paid because that's ma- the main thing, I guess. M- Even if they were in a, some tricky relationship, I mean, I don't see many teams with the potential to pay as close as Ceska paid, which was 2.5 million euros per year. I mean, I think that we're talking only about Fenerbahce or Virtus Bologna. I don't see anybody yeah, because, else. Because most elite teams, they're sorted in center position. Real Madrid have Tavares and Poirier. They don't need a new center. Barcelona, well, they will be replacing Davis, but they're going to be looking for somebody who can switch, who's more mobile. And, and that's Jan Vesely. That's yeah. Jan Vesely. He's probably coming. So uh, Milan, they, they're still with Kyle Heinz and, and they're probably signing Brandon Davis. Yeah, yeah. So FS, Dunstan, Zizic, Plies. Where do you go if you feel Milutinov? Maccabi? Mm. Nah. Fenerbahce is a better situation probably because Dimitri Satudis is going to be there. I've heard that Milutinov likes... It just makes sense. Like sun, likes beaches, likes some chill uh, environment. So maybe Valencia, if they can pay. That's the problem. They probably cannot pay, so... But Valencia is in Istanbul. a very strong r- relationship with Boyan Dublevic and, and ah. he's going to play there forever. <laughs> And and they have some other interesting uh, up and coming players. I would say like Hasiel Rivero, who plays as a power forward and as a center. And uh, Fenerbahce and Milutinov could be a good situation for both sides. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so Ergin Ataman becoming NBA assistant coach in or out? Bullshit. (laughs) Absolutely out. Vaj reported it. I mean, why? Why Why go there? Why be an assistant coach? I, I, I'm afraid that it might be related to his Netflix documentary they're making about Ataman Istanbul because I, I just don't see it real, actually. Maybe in some brainstorming process, somebody just threw out Ataman's name, oh, saying, oh, this coach won the EuroLeague uh, back-to-back. Uh, he's on his way to win a three-peat or something. Now, if, if the man wants to continue his journey like this, uh, I, I have all the respect for him, but... From my point of view, right now, he is, a, I would say, a cult figure in, in, in Euro, EuroLeague, in European basketball. He's a meme, actually. He needs yeah. to go... No, fists. Not like a meme. A meme, meme in a meme, good way. meme is something bad. Okay, meme in a good way, in a funny way. Actually, yeah, he's, he's an, an icon. icon. He's an, he's icon. an icon. Iconic coach, yeah. And he has a chance to go for a free peat. And they are already signing big players like Will Clyburn. He needs to be there. He needs to go for the free Pete. And going to the NBA to be an assistant coach, I mean, 
legendary European European coaches like Messina and Scariolo went there. It's not like you have a shot at head coach's position. It's not that difficult to get a job as an assistant coach, actually, when you already have a reputation and, and people are going to recommend you. You can get there. But Ataman will never be an NBA head coach. Let's be real. Mm. So why go there to be an assistant? I don't get it. I would it. see the scenario if, for example, FS failed this year, they were about to start the rebuild with the smaller budget, and then, okay, you can fulfill your dreams and just to say to everybody that you worked in NBA. But now, for me, it doesn't make sense. And actually, listening to you, I thought what clever idea was to sign Clyburn and announce it right now, even before the Turkish League finals, because at the same time, Mm, as we say in Lithuania, we shoot uh, two rabbits. I mean, Clyburn is a great go-to guy if Mar uh, if Larkin or Mitzic leaves. It's already, you know, your star player. And at the same time, announcing him so early, you kind of show indication both to Larkin and Mitzic that how serious you are about, you know, winning your league for the third year in a row. So when, when you have these NBA offers around your NBA possibilities, like Larkin, for example, I've heard that Washington Wizards, they're really seriously uh, thinking about Shane Larkin or, you know, Mitzich, he's always in the mix uh, among the NBA teams for the trade scenario with the OKC. If you will have this like 50-50 offer and then you will think about what you have here in Istanbul, which is great salary, over 3 million uh, uh, Euroleague Championship uh, team and teammates like Will Clyburn, I mean, I think that it plays a role. So just my off-topic thought about mm. it. Yeah, but Ataman, as an NBA assistant coach, we will lose so much charisma and, and so many great press conferences and TV interviews if he goes there. Euroleague should pay him just to stay Right in now Europe. he's in a spotlight. And, and he said himself that he enjoys being in a spotlight. So he has to carry on in in Europe, in EuroLeague, NBA, being an assistant, I mean, why? <laughs> Mike James. What's the motivation behind this? Maybe it's just a rumor, probably. So yeah, probably. It's, probably. it's not going to happen, I think. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. It shouldn't be like that. Because I, I tried to check. I didn't hear any NBA team seriously seriously thinking about him. Of course, I'm missing a lot of information, but it's, it's probably a very long shot. Another iconic player, EuroLeague personality, and Brooklyn Nets. Mike James to Brooklyn, in or out? It's not clear if that possibility exists, but of course, when you're a friend of uh, Kevin Durant, we have some other examples when you're in a good relationship with NBA stars, you can get a roster spot. What do you think about this scenario? Mm, well, I'm out. Though. I want to see Mike James running the show in Europe, in Monaco or in some other place. The problem for Brooklyn Nets, why they were swept by Boston Celtics, lack of size. So on top of the roster that you all already have with, with guys like Patty Mills and Seth Curry and Kyrie Irving, additionally, you sign Mike James. Why? Because he's not going to get a big role on that team. He's always going to be just a backup. Yeah, he's friends with KD. Probably he's friends with some other great basketball players. It doesn't mean he should go and play for them and, and uh, play with them and, and, and be a backup somewhere. Uh, I, I don't know. It doesn't make any sense uh, from Brooklyn's perspective and f f 
Mike James, well, he usually does what he wants to do to be happy. Uh, but I would like to see him in the EuroLeague, trying to get a, get to the Final Four, trying to lead the team to the Final Four. He was so close to being the MVP. I think if his career ends without a single EuroLeague MVP award, it would be a shame uh, because he... The level he's playing, yeah, the skills he's showing, it, it's, it's unquestionable. Yeah, but you know, there are other question marks. It also marks. adds consistency in playing on a winning so team. That's, so well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, there are other question marks. It's not about this, his skills about skill and or, talent, or, yeah. or, or, or talent. But he was second in the MVP voting this season already. He was really, really close. So I think there's mo more than enough motivation for Mike James to play in Europe, maybe even in Monaco if they give him a good offer. And Brooklyn, besides playing w uh, with KD, I don't see uh, any sense in that. It's just a rumor, obviously. And, and the Brooklyn Nets, there's so much uncertainty about that team and, and Ben Simmons and everything that's happening. I don't think it's the best place to sign for a free agent right now. For, from what I've heard, Mike James still keeps that NBA window open. Uh, even for the next year. But as you mentioned, I don't think it, it, it mm. is a real possibility. I would like to see him in the NBA. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. just the Brooklyn situation is not the best right now for a point guard. So th there could be other teams where Mike James could actually get a bigger role, more minutes, maybe get to the playoffs. But in general, when he played for Brooklyn, uh, those two or three months, we saw that he's capable of doing things, especially in regular season games, but in the playoff series against a physical big team like Milwaukee Bucks, it was too difficult playing with two small guards. Mm. And, and and Brooklyn could not afford to do that. So, yeah, it's just my take on, on this situation. And Mike James probably also tweeted about this rumor and yeah, he said, yeah. I have a lot of good friends and good <laughs> basketball players that I'm uh, in a good relationship with doesn't necessarily yeah. mean uh, I'm going to play with all of them. Exactly. And yeah, I think that we need Mike almost as much as we need Ataman in Europe. He's another icon. We need him, you know, exploding Twitter. We need him sharing his uh, making European game winners. experience, making game winners, provoking fans, silencing all the critics and, and, and stuff he does uh, consistent, uh, consistently. So, no, I'm, I'm out uh, of this idea. And the last one probably uh, for Lithuanian fans mostly, Chris Jones to Zargiris, in or out? We already had this discussion before the podcast. Last year I would be in. Signing for the money that that uh, he signed with Asvel, which was two thirty for the season, I guess. Amazing contract. A, a lot less than Yanis Strelnik got for this season. Almost twice. Yeah. So <laughs> why you have to bring this up? A year ago, I would be in. Right now, I'm out because right now you're gonna sign Chris Jones as your primary point guard, as your main point guard, and you would have to pay him a lot of money. There's no problem about signing him as a primary point guard. There's a problem of signing him as your best paid player, probably. That's the case. We're talking about 500, 600 euros a year? Yeah, I think it's something, something around like 600, which is huge for Zalgiris. Really. I don't Not know. Not many man. players were paid like that. I don't so. know. Man. I'm, if it happens, 
obviously Chris Jones will be a leader. He will be a scorer. He there's no reason why he shouldn't play as good as he did for Asvel, but Jalgris is a small market team, small budget team, and and if you give like 600k to a point guard and then they're gonna sign somebody for center position, then what's left, really? Honestly, you need at least two or three good creators in a team right now in Euroleague if you want to win, if you want to be successful by your standards. And the other problem is Chris Jones is is is, is actually short. 188. Lekavichus is really short. Yeah. So maybe you need a bigger point guard if possible. They're just too t- similar. And yeah. I'm not really sure about Chris Jones being 188, I'm sorry. Maybe the eye test is really wrong. I think he's shorter than that. I'm 185, so I would like to to see him closer yeah. to to check this, don't, this one. Don't get me wrong, he's a great basketball player. But No, he's a solid player, really. Even in, from his point of view, if you can go to Valencia, it's a no-brainer. It's an easy decision. Why go to Jalgiris if you can go to Valencia? Unless, just for example, Jalgiris is offering two-year guaranteed contract good money, for example, 1.2, and you know that you will stay in the EuroLeague. With Valencia, you might be there only for the one year, and then after the season, you have to look for something, and you never know if you, you will have the same uh, stock mm. in the market. I think I just find this only reason why not to go to Valencia, for example. But uh, personally, I liked the idea um, of former Jalgris scout Algimondas Brujas on, on Lithuanian podcast. He said that Jalgris is in a situation where he has to look for the players with the price range from three to four hundred thousand euros and to help to make these leaps like Chris Jones did in Asheville. Not to buy this yeah. say, polished yeah, player somewhere else. And I completely, I completely agree with agree, that. Which is why I said that one year ago, yeah. Chris Jones signing with Jalgiris would be a great idea. Right now, I'm not so sure about that. And I miss these times when Jalgiris signed Kevin Pangos, even Nate Walters, uh, Brandon Davis, Westerman. Their price was around 250, 300. Vasa Misic, uh, mm. the same. That that These were times when Jalgiris had vision. And in Chris Jones' situation, I like him as a player, but again, in Jalgiris, we have to think different, different way than other teams. But the only um, idea I kind of get it is that probably it's also related to the fact how tough point guard market in Europe is. Because, for example, if you cannot afford Chris Jones, or even if Chris Jones and his salary, his expected salary is around 600 euros, we're not even ta- thinking about players like, I don't know, Lorenzo Brown or wh- whoever is uh, free free right now. I actually ha- have this list of point guards. Not many of them are on the list. I mean, Wade Baldwin, Shabazz Napier, who didn't play for two years almost, Nate Walters, Lorenzo Brown, Chris Jones. Pretty much it, actually. So maybe the idea is that they don't want to take any risk with rookie yearly point guard because actually... I mean, can you name any rookie Euroleague point guard which you liked as a main point guard last year? I don't remember any. I mean, Keenan Evans probably was the best rookie point guard in the Euroleague. And that's an issue. I mean, that that just shows how 
small this market for point guards mm-hmm. is. So maybe it's also based of the current market situation for point guards. Well, I'm not categorically out yeah. with, with this one. I'm, I'm sort of in between because Chris Jones is a good player and certainly an improvement to a team like Jalgiris that didn't even have a good point guard this season. But at the same time, you're thinking about the money he, and and it looks like he's a bit too expensive. It's a luxury for Jalgiris to spend so much money on, on one player. Uh, like I said, in the ACB league, there's so much talent and there are interesting players some of them look like gambles or risks, but that's the Jalgiris way. Usually, that uh, should be in Shara's years, in May, in April, it was already clear what are the candidates for next season, and some of those deals were already done. It yeah. was ju- just wasn't official. Yeah. That's how they got Westerman, first of all, walk up, then yeah. Walkup, Pangos, Mitzic, uh, during the season, Sharas always had an idea mm-hmm. of always following was these always potential looking candidates, looking ahead. Now, Jalgiris is sort of dealing with their um, roster the way the big market teams do. Mm-hmm. The big market teams can afford to wait until the summer, then see who's available and throw money at them. Uh, Jalgiris, in, in Jalgiris, you need to be more creative. And, and what you mentioned, our colleague, Algimantas Brujas, uh, he was a scout for Jalgiris actually before going back to the media. And he does the job for Jalgiris right now with all these uh, video clips, the scouting players from the ACB league, from the German league, the French league. And those are players that are still not in the radar for the big clubs in Europe. And or on the radar, but not everybody's willing to risk with them. Yeah. So these are the usual de- decisions you expect from Jalgiris, but We'll just see what happens. Chris Jones, a good player, but if I was Chris Jones, I wouldn't go to Jalgiris, honestly. <laughs> Valencia. Bad motivation Valencia, for him, but yeah. Signing one plus one deal or something like that. Being in Valencia's son already makes you a better player. You cannot complain right now. <laughs> it's like around 25, we're s- sweating. Yeah, we're going to have here. four more days like this. Yeah. <laughs> so in whole let's year. enjoy. There are two things I, I, I want to add. I mean, you just mentioned that Jalgiris cannot act like a big market team. And there's that great quote from the movie, The Moneyball, that if we try to play like the Yankees here, we will lose to Yankees out there. And this is completely true. And there's that that thing about the way Jalgiris started building a uh, team after Charles left. I mean, I still just don't get it. Why you're not investing in a great, great GM, even top GM by your league standards or not investing solid money, I would say in, I I would call it scouting department because from what I know, from what I hear, and probably it's not just the case of Jargadis, but these, these guys who are, they're working there or who are working there or guys, candidates for the GM or assistant GM jobs, they're really low paid uh, candidates. And, Mm, to be fair, you won't get a great specialist or expert uh, for a low-paid uh, job. They are not even investing in a head coach. You expect them to invest in a GM? That's already <laughs> one of the biggest mistakes you can do in the EuroLeague, as we have a lot of examples, starting from Xavi Pascal, for, exa- uh, for example. But yeah, just talking about GMs, scouts, invest a lot, pay them well, but sign, of course, 
great, great uh, specialists. And okay, you think that you're overpaying uh, them right now, but in the end, they will buy you cheaper players with better potential who will overperform. Mm. And as Chris Jones, a player of 230,000 euros, he will perform as a, at least 500,000 player. So in the end, you can you know get this money back or even get into plus like after one year. I just don't get it why teams are not thinking this way. Well, like I said, if I was the Paulus Matunas, I would throw big money for Manos Papadopoulos, Mauricio Gerardini, for Daniele Boyes, for anybody. He's not throwing money for a head coach. How is he going to throw money for a GM? The only exception was Sharas, who was getting close to 1 million, and it was a perfect no-brainer decision. After Sharas, all the competence left, and and all the the coaches, all the decisions uh, by hiring head coaches are questionable hiring the Lithuania national team coach Kazis Maxvitis is more than questionable yeah. but it's a cheap and safe option Lithuanian one Lithuanian yeah. as he always wants people with I think green, the government pay, green, pays green blood yeah. so <laughs> good for you man sign more people with green blood see where it gets you really great project this season you had here with with bringing back Karnietis and and all the other veterans being there so, yeah. It's a painful topic. Uh, ah, for Lithuania, these are not see. the best years of Žalgiris. <laughs> they they, they hey. finished in third place. Hey, this is crazy year. Maccabi didn't make finals. Was, Bayern playing game five against Bonn. Paulus Jankunas, when he played his last EuroLeague game, that uh, he can actually go for Lithuanian League finals MVP. They were playing in the third place series, a best of seven third place series we have in Lithuania, by the way. <laughs> Thank oh God, my God. It's, it's, it's crazy. Too many games. It's really that. crazy. Anyway, a lot of crazy things happening in domestic leagues. As I mentioned, Maccabi didn't make the finals. Chalgres didn't make the finals. Bayern playing game five. Joventut causing problems for, for Barcelona. But so far, we already have some finals finished. What's funny that we'll have Serbian league final. And I just cannot imagine fans being there. I just hope that they will take a smart decision just to play in empty stands, but uh, empty gym. But Okay, uh, anyways, uh, just just one thing to add, uh, Italian league finals between Virtus and Armani, I think it's going to be a great, great series. We'll start on 8th of June, and in the ACB, we'll still have to wait. Real Madrid, they're up uh, by 2-0. They're playing Basconia today on Tuesday, and Barca still have to finish the job against Juventud, but... They Probably. lost the home court. We can advantage. expect another do or die game. D- there might be a uh, game five in in this uh, Catalan derby, because yeah. Real Madrid they will take care of business. If not in uh, game three today, then yeah. in, in game four probably they're gonna close it. But for Barca, they always find a way to have problems, even against smaller teams like. Joventut, although they have big names like Ante Tomic and Power Ibas, but they're like these students who are. I, I just watched doing them some lose that game di- in deadline. Palau. I watched them lose that game too in Palau. I, I just couldn't believe what I was seeing, honestly. And it's one-one. Joventut are there with a chance to make a huge, huge upset. So we'll see what happens in Badalona. Yeah, so we have some exciting games ahead. Rita Svishnauska, Donatas Urbanas, thank you all for watching us. Follow us on YouTube, uh, Basket News channel. Don't forget to subscribe us, uh, press like, and of course, uh, follow us on basketnews.com website as well. See you next time.